gracious God, I pray now that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be attentive to you and your word. And God, I pray that as my words line up with your words, that they would fall on ears and hearts ready to receive them and respond. And I pray that if I say anything that isn't of you, that those words would quickly be forgotten. It's through Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the priests here at Truro. If you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it to John chapter 19. We're going to be picking the story up verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to pull out one of those Bibles in the pews, John 19. You can find it on page 905 in the Pew Bible. It has been said that the gospel is a pool shallow enough for toddlers to wade in, but deep, deep enough to spend a lifetime exploring without ever reaching the bottom. And the cross is the crux of the gospel. I fully intend to spend a lifetime preaching the cross without ever running out of anything to say. And so today we will just dip a toe or two in, entering into the depths and magnitude of the cross by way of the phrases uttered by Pilate in chapter 19. Behold the man. And then, behold your king. And so he was raised on a cross, and a title was fixed indicating who it was who was being executed. Painful it is to say, but more terrible not to say. He who suspended the earth is suspended. He who fixed the heavens is fixed. He who fastened all things is fastened to the wood. The master is outraged. God is murdered. So said Melito of Sardis, who died around 180 AD. Behold the man, Pilate cries. And then mere moments later, as he delivers Jesus over to be crucified at the urging of the crowd, behold your king. Pilate's cry here in the end of John's account of the passion of Jesus echoes the witness of John the Baptist back in chapter 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only now, finally, in the horror of the crucifixion, do we begin to see the reality of what John the Baptist foretold. Behold the man. Behold your king. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See from his head, his hands, his feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? In our gospel reading, we see these twin threads 
the man and the king, both held together in the great mystery of the incarnation. Jesus, 100% man, that in human nature he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for sin. And 100% God, that because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. Suffering servant and Christus victor held together in Christ, the Lamb of God. And that's my hope for this evening. That as we pull on these two twin threads, man and king, in just two snapshots of this larger story, the cross and the sign in verses 17 to 22 of chapter 19, and the wine and the finish in verses 28 to 30, that together we might behold the man, behold the king, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. First, the cross and the sign. Look at this with me. Picking up in verse 17, John writes, So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Even in Jesus' death, he remains in the center Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, John writes, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Back in chapter 12, verse 32 of John's gospel, Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And that's what we see here finally. Jesus lifted up, hoisted high upon a cross just as he had foretold. It's a gruesome ascent. And while John's account of the Passion spares little by way of detail regarding just about every act leading up to and around the crucifixion, his description of the cross itself, if you look at it, it's just a couple verses. It's awfully sparse beyond his description of the sign. But look at this with me. The crucifixion is bookended in verse 14 by Pilate's declaration to the crowd. He says, behold your king. And then in verse 21, the sign, the king of the Jews. Behold your king, the king of the Jews. And in the middle, Jesus lifted high on a cross. Jesus is, in fact, lifted high. His ascent, however, is not to an earthly throne, but to a cross. As one commentator noted, the crucifixion is the ascent of a throne. 
Jesus transforms an instrument of torture and terror to a throne that bears witness to his kingship, a kingship different than any the world had ever seen or would ever see again. Jesus, a king who rules not by strength of arm, but by humility, freely giving himself away, a sacrifice for the world. And the sign bears witness to the sacrifice that would draw all people to God. Look at this in verse 19. John writes, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. First, Jesus of Nazareth. A man just like I am a man from a particular place that's not a particularly important place. A man not unfamiliar with sorrow, well acquainted with grief. A man tempted by sin just as you and I are, but sinless. A man living the life that we cannot live for us on our behalf. Behold the man. And then on the sign we see inscripted, King of the Jews. The promised Messiah, the one who would deliver God's people and sit on a throne that would never fade or fail or fall, ruling over a kingdom that would never end, a kingdom unlike any other. Jesus of Nazareth, 100% man. King of the Jews, 100% divine. Behold the man. Behold your king. Even Pilate bears witness. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, don't miss this. The sign, John tells us this right here in verse 20, was written in three languages. It was written in Aramaic, it was written in Latin, and it's written in Greek. As one pastor notes, in Aramaic, the prophecies of God were recorded. In Latin, the laws of the empire. In Greek, the learning of the philosophers. In each of these languages, Christ is proclaimed king. As another commentator writes, the cross speaks in tongues the moment it is planted. The gospel is immediately missionary, even when in the hands of Pilate. Behold the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Behold your king, the king of the Jews, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, in his death, by way of a cross and a sign that bears witness, drawing the nations, all people, to himself. N.T. Wright says it like this, In Jesus' death, a new sort of power will be let loose upon the world, and it will be the power of self-giving love. This is the heart of the revolution that was launched on Good Friday. You cannot defeat the usual sort of power by the usual sort of means. If one force overcomes another, it is still force That wins, right, continues, rather at the heart of the victory of God over all the powers of the world. There lies 
self-giving love, which in obedience to the ancient prophetic vocation will give its life as a ransom for many. A cross, the means by which the incarnate Son of God is exalted, a different kind of king, one dying for sin and drawing all people to himself as a ransom for many. And the sign bearing witness to the nations, to the crucified man who is also a king. As the prophet Isaiah declared millennia before, and Jesus now affirms, behold, my servant shall act wisely. Listen to this. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Behold the man beaten, flogged, lifted high on a cross, Behold your king robed in purple with a crown of thorns, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then the wine and the finish. Behold the man. Behold your king. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John writes, starting in verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus, in his divine wisdom, knows that the time is drawing near and knows what is to be accomplished. And Jesus, in his incarnate humanity and human agony, is thirsty, just like you and me. Only now, the one who said that he himself was the living water, the one who turned water into the finest of wine. He now receives a bitter drink, fulfilling Psalm 69, for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. How bitter, how sour is the price of sin. And even as they quench his thirst with sour wine, the means of delivery is a hyssop branch. A hyssop branch, which is normally used to sprinkle atoning blood in the Passover ritual. Or as David prays in his great psalm of confession, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. It is with hyssop that Jesus' thirst is quenched, reminding us that it is in the blood of Jesus shed for many for the forgiveness of sins that you and I are made clean. Behold the man who dies 
as a ransom for many. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then the finish. Jesus cries, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Death had only the power that had been given to it. Hilary of Portier's notes. It is finished. It is simply that he gave up his spirit rather than his spirit being taken away against his will, Augustine says. It is finished. He freely gave up his spirit then. He did not wait for death to take him. Rather, he freely received death, Eusebius reminds us. It is finished. He went to sleep like a lion in full control of his death, Augustine declares. It is finished. The good shepherd does indeed lay down his life for the sheep, Peter Chrysologus proclaims. And in the finishing, the incarnate Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, True God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, does what you and I could never hope to do on our own. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in the finishing does just that. As the author of Hebrews writes, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified in him. In the finishing, Jesus, 100% man and 100% God, offers himself up as a ransom for many, the once for all sacrifice for sin, that by his suffering and death, we might be saved. Oh, to see my name written in his wounds. For through your suffering, I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. One through your selfless love. This the power of the cross. Son of God, slain for us, what a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. Behold the man. Behold your king. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.